The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, this is Alexis Haynes, and welcome to Recovering from Reality, where I illuminate the messy and magical path of coming home to yourself. Whether you're on the road to recovery, seeking self-care techniques for surviving the capitalist machine, or just need a moment to remember that you're not alone in your loneliness, we're serving up the ultimate truth. Your challenges don't define you. How you deal with them does. So, are you ready to recover from reality? It's sort of just a process of learning to love yourself and chip and also chip away at, you know, what was example down to you, right? When you were young, what you saw, what you internalized, what belief systems you bought into. And then taking that and realizing and asking yourself, is this actually leading me to where I want to go or is it leading me in the opposite direction? And then from there, sometimes we have to go against our natural tendencies, right? We have to sacrifice something in order to gain something that's more sustainable long-term. So something that might feel fun might not be the most sustainable decision for what we want ultimately. So we have to be willing to kind of let go of stuff in order to create what we want. That was a quick clip from this week's episode with Liz Mars. I actually came across her profile through our mutual friend, Angel, who has joined me a couple of times on the podcast. And I really loved the content that she was putting out. Liz is a love relationship and empowerment coach. And I felt that it would be a good fit given the fact that we are focusing on love this month to have her join me to do a Q&A episode with your questions about cultivating love in your life. And so the big question is, you know, what is blocking you from love? What does love mean to you? Do you feel like you love yourself? Do you feel like you're capable of loving others? Are you capable of a healthy relationship right now? All of these things we're diving into in this week's episode. And I'm really looking forward to you guys hearing all of her insights because they're very much so aligned with mine and she has great input. So with that, here is this week's episode with Liz Mars. I'm so excited to sit down and talk to you about love and about living in a heart-centered place and space. I know that for me, I came from a lot of trauma. And so my heart center was so closed off really until like just a couple of years ago. And it was actually in the middle of a Joe Dispenza meditation that was focusing on our heart centers that I had this profound moment where I could just feel the energy that was so trapped there for so long, finally moving and releasing and flowing. And it felt so good that I was like, wow, like, why have I been holding on to this for so long? It was really that question of like, wait, it was always a choice it was always a choice. And that moment really changed my life. So I would love for our audience before we start diving into kind of the how to's and giving advice for them to know like how you got into this work. 
Yeah, I got into this work through my own experience, through my own journey of kind of outsourcing my power and outsourcing my joy to other people. And I was sort of like brought up in a society. I mean, we all kind of were, we were brought up in a society where we were told to get married, have kids, you know, this was what success looked like. And until you have that, then you're not enough or that's how I internalized it. And so I was kind of constantly looking to fill that void and it just wasn't working for me. And so I was attracting in kind of relationships where I was fantasizing about what it was going to be. And it never turned into that. It was always what I wanted, but not what they wanted. And it was because I was so focused on this external thing. um, It just kind of turned into a situation where I always came away from it feeling like I didn't have what I wanted, didn't have what I needed. All my friends around me were getting married, having kids, like doing this thing. And it wasn't until I realized that it was because I wasn't in my power around it, because I wasn't fully showing up for myself, loving myself, treating myself the way that I deserve to be treated. I was accepting behavior and treatment from other people that was not good. So through my own experience, I realized I needed to learn how to show up for myself, love myself. And then I took myself through kind of a process that um, was made up by myself (laughs) and some things that I had like taken from different spiritual teachers and and people that I had been working with. But ultimately I realized I needed to learn to love myself before I could call in that epic love. And so that's the process I took myself through. And that's the process that I now help women and take them through because everybody wants love and everybody wants to call in that perfect partner. Isn't it so interesting how the universe, if we're looking at love through and relationship in general, through a spiritual lens, how the universe continuously brings people or mirrors for us into our lives to really illuminate what areas and what aspects of ourselves that we need to look at. I have so many friends who are like, I don't know why I keep attracting these guys. And I'm like, I do. (laughs) Let's dive in and like, take a look Mm -hmm. at this, you know? And so, you know, really, I think for so many people who are looking for love and just haven't found it, it really is this soul work that needs to be done. When you're working with people and doing this work, what does that process look like? And is this like a years long process or is this something that, you know, can be done in like a more condensed period of time? I mean, it really depends on the person and how quickly they decide to adopt some of the practices and how quickly they kind of get it. I think the philosophy that I operate under is that like kind of along lines of what you said is like life is happening for you and not to you. And if you can start taking responsibility to how you are creating the relationships, then it becomes empowering. And it's sort of just a process of learning to love yourself and chip and also chip away at, you know, what was example down to you, right? When you were young, what you saw, what you internalized, what belief systems you bought into And then taking that and realizing and asking yourself, is this actually leading me to where I want to go? Or is it leading me in the opposite direction? And then from there, sometimes we have to go against our natural tendencies, right? We have to sacrifice something in order to gain something that's more sustainable long-term. So something that might feel fun might not be the most 
sustainable decision for what we want ultimately. So we have to be willing to kind of let go of stuff in order to create what we want. And so it's really like for each person, it's just different. On, it's different for how quickly they're real, they're willing to take responsibility, but also to let go of tendencies that have kept them in old patterns and old dynamics that are no longer working. So a lot of that requires a lot of trust. It doesn't just like happen. And so the work is really um, going inward and looking at how we can hold ourselves and how we can support ourselves and whatever comes our way so that we're not looking for someone else to come and be like our knight in shining armor to take away, you know, all of our woes. And instead we're able to show up powerfully for ourselves. And when we're able to show up powerfully for ourselves, then we're in a different sort of frequency, a different like state of the game. And we call in love from that place as opposed from a disempowered place. So it's learning how to hold yourself. It's learning how to show up for yourself. It's learning how to give yourself what you think that you need someone else to give you. And then from there, it's attracting in, like just from that space. Um, So it's, you know, some people I work with for six months, some people a year. It really just depends on the person. Yeah. It's interesting. I got married when I was really young. My partner and I have been together for 11 years and married for almost 10. And I was nowhere near healed, but I knew that we couldn't go into this thinking you complete me. Like you, I think so many people think, oh, this person is going to complete me. They're going to be the missing piece. And for Evan and I, it has really been more so about being able to understand that healing can sometimes take place in communion. We need community. We need other people. Um, But that ultimately it is our responsibility. And while we can absolutely hold space for each other when things come up or when we're needing to take some time to take a deep dive and work some stuff out, that it is our work. It is our work. We have Mm -hmm. to do that work. And I look at our relationship as a partnership. And I think even if you already are in a relationship and maybe you've been married for five or six years and you're having relationship troubles or issues around love, I think that this work is still so valuable and so important and that it can enrich your life in so many ways because love is obviously there's romantic love and then there's also platonic love too. And I think that the world would just be such a better place if we were living from a heart centered place. And Mm -hmm. it really does begin with loving yourself. And so I guess the first question that I would have that I know came up a lot in this is how do I start to love myself? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's I, what's so hard when we say, how do I love myself? And I think we can start with having compassion and having acceptance for the self. And it's easier, I think, to understand it or to start on that journey when we realize that there's all these different parts of ourselves that exist inside of this one experience and that we can be an observer. So a lot of the work that I do is 
is helping women to like access through meditation or through different practices to be able to kind of access a stillness, a witness that is able to observe the different parts of themselves. And then from that place to be able to start to have compassion for the younger or more traumatized parts of the self. And to see that that, that part is in a lot of ways scared and has a lot of different protective mechanisms at play, which can cause blockages or which can cause behaviors that aren't necessarily aligned with, you know, what this person might be proud of, so to speak. So we just, it starts with having compassion towards the innocent ones inside of us that didn't have the power to control its circumstances at one point in time. And so we start to just witness the triggers. We witness the child inside of us and we take our hand to that part of our body and we ask it what it needs. And then we see, we see if anything comes up and how we ourselves can support that part of ourselves. And maybe it just means saying, I love you, saying I'm here. Maybe it means taking yourself for a walk. Maybe it means taking yourself to a yoga class, right? To just to, to not judge these different aspects, to not ask it to stop or to change, but to ask how I can support, how can I support you? And so, so often we're waiting for someone else to say, how can I support you? Right. But, but only ourselves can do that unconditionally again and again and again and again. And so once we get really good at doing that, then it feels empowering to be able to say, wow, I can really like give myself what I need. And then I can just enjoy everything and everybody else. I love the thought. What I was thinking when you were saying this towards the end is kind of taking time to, to, to kind of date yourself. Mm-hmm. I think that, yeah, like nourishing yourself and treating yourself the way that you would like to see yourself being treated in a relationship then sets the bar, right? And it's like, oh, I don't know why I was accepting anything less than this before. And the more that you do that, the more that you become a vibrational match for that type of a partner, right? It's like, I know that I like receiving flowers and my partner is not the best at remembering to send me flowers. He's just not, he has lots of great things that he's really good at, but sending flowers is not one of them. And I have for the last four or five years now, sent myself flowers on a pretty regular basis just because that makes me feel good. And I know that at the end of the day, I'm responsible for making myself feel good. No one else can do that for me. I have to be willing to set aside the time to meditate, to nourish myself, to do the journaling, to do all of that other stuff. And I also find that in my relationship, I'm more fun to be around when my cup is full and it is my job to fill my cup. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. And I love how you bring it into relationship too, because it doesn't stop. That doesn't stop when you're in relationship. So it's like the work that I do, it's like, we, we talk about how important it is to teach. We teach, like you were saying, we teach others how to treat us based off how we treat ourselves. And then it gets amplified in relationship. From Dear Media and Rom-Com Pods comes a scripted podcast so outrageously inappropriate, we can't believe they let us put it on the air. Meet my best friend, Allie. Like, gross, close best. Hello? Wait, 
Are you peeing? Everyone loves a messy bitch. And Ellie's life was about to get a whole lot messier. Maybe 2022 is going to be my year. Yeah, 2022 is definitely not going to be her year. Allie's going to bone, marry, and bury three different people. Get it? Bone, marry, bury? Like, fuck, marry, kill? I just wanted to say that, but it didn't clear legal. Ready to play? Introducing Bone, Mary, Barry, starring Sarah Hyland, Harvey Guillen, and Tommy Martinez. Make sure to follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this. Bone Mary Berry is brought to you by Sakara Modern Fertility, Blue Land, and Roderm. All right, so let's dive into some questions because mm. I think that there are a lot of great ones here. One from Jennifer, she says, how to accept healthy love after a seriously toxic relationship? Hmm. So I think this goes back to kind of what we were talking about before, which is sort of taking responsibility and seeing that each person, each character that we call into our life is here to expand us or teach us something, What even if it's to teach you more of what you don't want, so you know more of what you do want. So there's a process of healing that involves forgiving yourself, but also forgiving the other person and then going, getting to a place of even being able to think the other person for the lessons that you've learned. And then comes in some of that inner child work where that, that little one or that traumatized one might want to block or push away or be on the lookout for potential threats in the field. And to be able to say, I see you, I see why you're doing that. It makes perfect sense from what you experienced. And to kind of access another part of self, a more queenly sovereign part of self that does actually believe that there is potentially an opportunity to have a healthy relationship and to look outside and see, okay, they're having a healthy relationship. They're having a healthy relationship. Let me expand myself potentially into what healthy relationships look like to see that it is possible because it's existing. And then to be able to remind that traumatized part of the truth every time it goes into fight, flight, or freeze, or fawn, um, in those moments of, you know, feeling scared to open, open up the heart. So reminding the self that it's safe to open up the heart and then to do supportive acts of kindness towards yourself so that, you know, you got you, even if yeah. something were to unfold that wasn't ideal, that you've got yourself through whatever, and you've experienced the worst of it. So you could also experience the best of it. Mm, I so love it's that. kind of a layered process, but yeah. Yeah. You brought up the self-sabotage piece in there for a moment. You touched on it. And a couple of other people were like, I keep self-sabotaging my relationships. And there's so many reasons why we do this. But so much of it, I think, comes down to, again, that inner child work, right? Like where, when I was a child how did I feel unworthy? How did I, who told me I was unlovable? Who told me that I wasn't worthy of unconditional love? Who wasn't willing to hold space for my feelings? I think so much of us go into that place of fight, flight, or freeze because we want to, we want to go into self-preservation mode. And so we, you know, fight or 
leave because we'd rather make the other person wrong or blow up the situation on our own than sit in the discomfort of our feelings and the discomfort of the moment and go inwards and go, what is this? Why am I experiencing this right now? I'm noticing a pattern. I think so many of us are just operating on automatic pilot in our daily lives and in our relationships that we're not really taking the time to pause and reflect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And feel those feelings. I mean, ultimately, I think we're so scared. People are so scared to feel the feelings that they just want to get away from it. But it's through allowing those feelings to be felt that we get to the other side and, and heal. Yeah. I have three women in Mm -hmm. this Ask Me Anything who said uh, that they have stories that they tell themselves around men and relationships, but specifically around men. I think that that's just such an interesting thing because as I read that and reflected, I was like, wow, I did too. Like the shit my mom told me when I grew up literally was ingrained in my head. My mom was in so many toxic relationships growing up and my dad was married and divorced eight times. And so I had received a lot of information from a very early age about men and relationships. So do you have any specific advice for how to move out of the stories that we have stuck in our head? Totally. Yeah. It's so funny. I was just having this conversation yesterday and um, what our stories are is sort of what creates our reality. Our belief system sort of create our reality because there's this subconscious part of us, right? That just wants to be right. And so what we're, where our attention goes, our energy flows. So what I'm, what I'm believing I'm going to look for and I'm going to find. And so essentially it's first, it's understanding and bringing awareness to the fact that the stories that are on repeat and what we're believing is creating a specific feeling inside of us that then creates a certain behavior that then cycles in that direction. So for instance, like if I believe that all men are cheaters because my dad was a cheater, because I've been with men that are cheaters, right? Then I'm going to be a certain, I'm going to, it's going to make me feel maybe sad or helpless or defeated And the way that I'm going to behave around men is accusatory and defensive and closed hearted, right? And so what we want to do is kind of see the story, bring awareness to it, see how it's creating the thoughts are creating feelings that are then creating behaviors that are creating this downward spiral. And then to be able to say, well, what do I desire? What would I like to believe, right? What would I like to believe? What's the opposite? Like quite literally, what's the opposite? Right. And then from there to look for that, look for that in the environment, look for that in the field. And then, I mean, you can create a mantra around it, or you can create like some sort of reminder of it, but to then allow yourself to really kind of come back to that again and again and again, and see what feelings arise when, you know, when you say to yourself, I'm excited to welcome in a man that is faithful and trustable and then to feel what that feels like. And then from there, it's the behaviors that follow, which is more open-hearted, right? Less defensive, a little more open to a relationship unfolding. So the awareness is the first step. And then the second step is focusing more on what you do want. 
And it's really simple, but I think when we focus on what we don't want, then that's where our energy is flowing and we're looking out and making sure we don't get that. Mm-hmm. But then we're kind of like spotting it in people because there's a yeah. part of us that <laughs> believes that it's true. As opposed to being like, it's so simple. Sometimes I just say to people, okay, let's just stop and like, tell me what you want. Like, what do you want? I know you don't want a cheater. So what do you want? Mm. And then people can really get on that train. I'm like, well, how do you think it would make you feel if you had that? And then they can yeah. tap into the feeling of what that would feel like. And I'm like, well, who would you be in the world yeah. if you believed that that was possible? And they'd be like, oh my God, I'd be like that. I'm like, great. So that's what we're going to focus. Like, how can we create that, right? That in your life now. So it's sort of like a long-winded answer to the question, but there's, there's sort of some steps in there. Yeah. I, when I'm coaching people and my work is mainly around communication, I always say, what's the best case scenario? What's the best case scenario for you in this you know, challenging dynamic, how would you envision this if it was, you know, going to play out exactly how you want it? And I think that it's important to have realistic expectations. I also think that because of the way that so many of us were raised in this very patriarchal, dysfunctional society, it's unrealistic to expect to find the perfect partner. I just don't think that 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 necessarily exists either. What Dr. Pat Allen taught me, who I'm a huge fan of her work, is she says, is your partner 80% good? 80%. We're not, no one's going to be 100% good. Having grace for each other and recognizing that no one is going to be perfect all the time and having realistic expectations for your relationship, I think is really um, important. So this next question I thought was really a good one because I'm actually the opposite of this. She asks, how can I get myself to be intimate with someone emotionally intimate. I can have sex, but intimacy is so hard. I'm the opposite. I can't have sex without intimacy, but I think that especially for, well, actually that's not true. I think for men too, I think for all genders that that can be really challenging is allowing ourselves to open up to that emotional intimacy part and not just you know, the sex? I think it's a process, I think maybe for some to learn, at least for me, from my experience was to learn how to become intimate with myself. Probably and typically for most people, it's a protective mechanism, keeping them from potential pain, right? That's keeping them from being able to be emotionally intimate. And it's sort of easier to be sexually intimate. And I know from my experience growing up, it was like, well, isn't that just, if I'm just open sexually, then they'll just like me, right? Mm -hmm. And it was sort of this whole thing around, you know, not needing, like I would be too much if I was emotionally intimate or they would see parts of me that, that was too much that they couldn't handle. And so it's sort of another another belief system that I think a lot of women have come into in this patriarchal culture, which is 
my emotions are too much. I'm too much. And they're not going to be able to handle me. And so I'm just going to shut my mouth and just like open up my legs and everything's going to be fine. But ultimately I saw that play out in my life and it wasn't working. Right. So I don't think it works for a lot of people because I think ultimately what everybody wants is the vulnerable emotional connection. So we have to be able to be brave (laughs) and to understand that in being the truth and being your most authentic self, you know, you might turn some off, but you'll turn others on. And the ones that are going to be turned on are going to be the best match for you. So we have to be willing to say goodbye to what is not an acceptance of our vulnerabilities. And some of us are women are sensitive and we have a lot of feeling and a lot of emotion and we need a partner that can hold us in that. And yeah. if someone can't hold you in that, then they're not for you. And there's yeah. plenty of men out there that can do that. And so we have to also be told stories of men that can do that and hear about those men that can, because they are out there and they want to hold space for women. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a great reminder that our vulnerability and our attunement with our emotions is literally a superpower. And when we used to live in tribe, in community, that was a gift to the community. Men needed that. And it's kind of unfortunate living in the society that we do now where men are so disconnected from that, that seeing women and and being around women who are tapped into that emotion is a turnoff or is scary to them because seeing that type of emotion is so foreign, you know, to be in relationship with women who are really tapped into that divine feminine, that intuition and into those emotions, which are, which are so, you know, they're, they're important for life for us as a human species, I think. So yeah, I agree. The last question that I want to address is someone asked, how can I tell if I'm settling or if I'm truly happy? She has feelings that she struggles with settling down, which I totally understand because I'm in an open relationship with my husband. So Mm. I get that. But yeah, I think that a lot of people feel that that kind of retraction or that desire to pull back of like, am I settling? Is this really the person or is this not? Mm. Yeah. Well, the way that I always kind of start off with people is, you know, how do you want to feel in relationships? So not exactly how does it look on paper? How does it look how did you think it was supposed to look, but how do you actually feel? And, you know, so often, so often people are just focused on the external. So it's like, do you feel good? And on a a regular basis, do you feel inspired? And it's kind of an interesting thing because it's like, we have to cultivate that from within ourselves. And so it's less about the relationship and more about like, how are you cultivating that feeling inside of you? from within that relationship. And then when you do that, is that person meeting you in that space? Um, And if they are, then 
great. And again, right, like not some people aren't going to be 100% all the time perfect, but ultimately, are they meeting you in that space when you're able to cultivate that good feeling inside of you? And then it's a decision, right? Like I said earlier, kind of like around this like sacrifice, like you have to be ready to be. A lot of people say they want relationship, but they're not willing to like sacrifice or to let go of dating a bunch of people, you know? And and again, like you have an open relationship. So, I mean, there's all different types of relationships and agreements that people have, but I don't know if you started off in an open relationship or if that was something that was cultivated. Nine years of monogamy. Yeah. Nine years of monogamy. And then we decided to, to open. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, I think that early on, it's like, does this person help me grow? Am I learning? Do I feel safe? Right. Is there some challenge in this? And does it feel exciting and aligned? Mm. I love that you said some challenge in this because I think we're so afraid of confrontation and challenge. Like we view challenge as a bad thing. And of course, there are instances where it's like, it's time to leave this relationship. But I think that, you know, uh, I was talking to a friend the other day about why divorce is so normalized. And obviously there's several factors, but I think that we're just so it's like sitting in our feelings feels so foreign because we were never taught how to do that, how to stay in the discomfort and in the challenge of relationship. And the reality is that, and I'm telling you this after 10 years of marriage, is that there will be challenge, you know, mm-hmm. there's far more bliss for us than there is challenge. And I think that learning how to be okay with being uncomfortable is really the solution to the vast majority, I would say, I was going to say to so many of our problems, but to the vast majority of our problems. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Yeah. I remember like early on in my relationship, um, feeling uh, this relationship that I've been in for the past four years, feeling like every time he triggered something in me wanting to run away and then make it mean that the relationship was over. And he really taught me to be able to just be in the argument or in the, in the not agreement or in the discourse of, you know, conversation. We didn't have to agree. We didn't have to come to a resolution to put like a bandaid on it or to put a bow on the box to make it mean that we were fine again. Like it was actually okay to be in a little bit of the uncomfortableness of not agreeing, right. Or not being on the same page for a little bit. And to find our, you know, for me, learning how to find my center, even in that was really powerful. So it's like coming back into my sovereignty and coming back into my practices from within the relationship were were so important. And I was so grateful that I had had that practice of doing that before calling in my partner, but not everyone necessarily does the practice before calling in, you know, calling in their partner. So you know, these challenges in relationship are just giving us opportunities to do more self-healing work on ourselves. And um, there's a lifetime worth of work to, to do from my perspective. So we can keep, you know, if we're with partners, not necessarily that need to ping us or trigger us all the time, but, you know, can hold a safe space while we can do some of that work, then mm. I think that's powerful. I think that's a powerful relationship to be in. Yeah, I agree. And I guess the last question that I have for you is what does love mean to you? Like what is your optimal definition of love and how does it feel and how does it express itself in your life? Mm, It's a great question. 
to me, love is everything. When I'm operating from love, then it's just a calm, present, curious way of being. It's a very open experience and it's my intention. It's just my, it's at the forefront of my space and my intention all the time is how would love show up right now? And can I show up as love? So from my perspective, it's like there's a timeline where you're just operating from a loving space or there's a timeline where you're operating from like a fearful space and you get to choose in any moment. So yeah, it's a surrender. It's an opening. It's always my intention. Yeah. For me, it is everything. It is like creation. It is joy. It is freedom. It is all of the things that feel good and true and right. It is that, you know, that feeling of being home in my body and home with my partner. It doesn't matter where we are. It is all of those things. And I wish for everyone that they do this work and explore and know that there is more out there than, you know, maybe what we've been conditioned to. And my wish is, yeah, that everyone gets to experience living from a heart-centered place and experiencing love for themselves and for all other human beings too. Thank you so much for joining me today, Liz. This is great. Can you do me a favor and tell everyone where they can follow along with you? Yes. Yeah. Probably the best place would be Instagram, Liz underscore Mars, M-A-R-Z. I'm posting on there. Um, You can DM me there or you can go on my website, LizMars.co, L-I-Z-M-A-R-Z dot C-O. Thank you so much. This week's affirmation is, I am worthy of being loved just for who I am. And so it is. If you enjoyed this week's episode, do me a favor, follow along with us, leave a review. It means so much to me. There are new episodes of Recovering From Reality every Monday, and you can follow me on social at Recovering From Reality or visit my website, recoveringfromreality.com. 